Welcome to McGonigal's Chronicles Making Montana Connections. I'm KRTV KXLH anchor Tim McGonigal. It's been said that Montana is like one big town. If that's true, it's probably safe to say it's like a big family. And if anyone knows about big families, it's Mary Sheehy Moe. She's one of 11 children and counts her brothers and sisters among her greatest blessings. Her can-do attitude and willingness to help others can probably be traced back to her mother and father, the latter who served on the Montana Supreme Court. As a young teacher, she left the Treasure State for the Deep South, but the lure of Montana brought her back. Her amazing career has run the gamut, from the high school classroom to post-secondary education administration to the Senate chambers of the state capitol. Along the way, she battled cancer, and she recently wrote a book about some of her life experiences called Love in the Midst of COVID. In December of 2021, she finds herself in the home stretch of her time on the Great Falls City Commission, about to embark on another journey. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Mary Sheehy Moe. So Mary, I know that uh, a lot of people, when they think of Mary Sheehy Moe, they, they think of your uh, time in the Montana legislature, your time on the Great Falls City Commission, your time in front of classrooms and whatnot. But what a lot of, uh, a lot of people might not realize is that uh, you are a... Uh, uh, a very good baton twirler, and uh, in fact, <laughs> you, you were at the uh, one of the Grizzly games this year. At one of the games, you've, you've been in the parades, but you were at one of the games at uh, at halftime. What was what was that like? I know it was kind of nerve wracking for you, but you did a great job. Well, um, I think for my fiftieth birthday, my kids gave me a baton. <laughs> I my first teaching job actually was teaching baton acrobats and tap in the uh, Billings Recreation Program half a century or more ago, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it turns out that it's like riding a bike. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> you can do it throughout your life, and so just for a joke, I would do it here and there. And um, then the alumni band at Missoula uh, allowed me to be in their parade. And so I've been doing that since 2008. And it's fun. The thing I I like the most about twirling a baton in a parade, as opposed to the halftime, is that, uh, and life should be like this. (laughs) When you make a mistake in a parade, a block later, nobody knows. (laughs) (laughs) But when you make a mistake at halftime, the whole stadium sees you, you know. So uh, I really prefer the parades and but I because they they did some kind of construction in Missoula that uh or the bridge is unsafe um and so they canceled the parade so so I didn't want the occasion to go by because you don't know how many years you've got left of (laughs) being able to ride the bike so yeah and then then uh, uh, I did do it in the app yeah and then at the at the game also you've got the uh the whole social media thing, everybody in the stands has got a phone and could be filming you yeah. and uh, it's out there yeah. for everybody to see. But again, you did, you did great, but I, I wanted to um, kind of go back to, to where it all began for you. Uh, you grew up, I think, I think I saw you were one of 11 siblings. Uh, so yeah. what, what was yeah. that like? I mean, that's, that's like having a, a being on a basketball team and uh, <laughs> a lot of mouths to um, feed at the table. It's a lot of really been, yeah, uh, well, my mom in particular was just an amazing person mm-hmm. and uh, a real doer. And um, she and dad uh, felt really strongly, as a lot of Catholic families then did, that it was important to um, 
have big families and send them out into the world to do good things. Mm-hmm. And uh, she did. And really, of of all the blessings in a very blessed life, I count my brothers and sisters right at the top. Um, we still meet every, you know, the nice thing that we learned through the COVID is that you can do Zoom meetings. And they're really great for family meetings. Uh, Mom had this tradition when she lived in Helena of what she called a coffee clutch. And just whoever happened to be in town uh, could drop in at nine o'clock on a Saturday morning. And quite often you'd see several brothers or sisters there or cousins or whoever. And it was just a good time. And now we do that every Saturday morning as siblings. And it's, um, it's really great to be in touch with them and, and hear the old stories and tell new jokes. And uh, so it, I suppose that to other people, it seems like um, that you would get lost in the crowd. And of course, during my uh, feel sorry for myself adolescence, I suppose that I did do a lot of you know, I'm a pebble on the beach. I think I told my mother once. <laughs> she said, "Get used to it." <laughs> uh, but um, really, it's been uh, it's such a solace all the time to know that you you have that support and um, and that people will be honest with you. So I've it's been wonderful. Yeah. And uh, also your dad, very well known uh, as far as uh, justice on the Montana Supreme Court. I think he served in the legislature like yourself did. Uh, talk talk about him and uh, the impact yeah. that, that he had on you and, and growing up. Uh, dad grew up in Butte uh, during the Depression. He had a pretty <laughs> hard youth. And um, he would have been a laborer in the mines, except that on on the night of his graduation, he was in a car that was struck by a drunk driver and it crippled one of his hands. Uh, he had wanted to be a carpenter in the mines and that was ruled out. So it was definitely considered a, the, the poorer alternative. But as dad said, you got to go to college. Mm-hmm. And so he did go to college and uh, went on to law school and had a successful career as a lawyer. When I was growing up, he wasn't on the Supreme Court. He um, didn't, uh, one of the things about large families is there are really about three families. (laughs) Uh, And it was the the third family that was part of the Supreme Court era. I was grown then and had kids of my own, but Mm -hmm. um, he, uh, I, I think he had a wonderful way of wanting to protect always the little guy. Uh, and um, was very much aware that not everybody has the same access to redress that those with wealth and and position do. And he was also a very forgiving person, as you would have to be as my father. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And one of the things that has stuck with me that he used to say is, uh, human beings is a lousy arrangement. And uh, he deliberately used the wrong grammar for that to Mm -hmm. make it the more colloquial expression. Uh, But his point was, you shouldn't judge people too harshly. We're all, we've all got flaws. We're all trying to deal with all the things that are part of human nature. And um, 
sometimes we slip and sometimes we rise and um, you need to take people for what they can be. And I, I tried to live that way. Yeah. And that, that sounds like advice that would be uh, good back then when you were growing up and advice that would uh, resonate very well today too, in this day and age. Well, you know, <laughs> as a lawyer, if you're misbehaving as a teenager, which I did a lot of, um, my father, you would come home and he would be sitting, you know, like in an interrogation room with the one <laughs> lamp on over the ceiling and his legal pad there and say, okay, take it from the beginning. Where were you? Mm-hmm. And he would write these things down. So it was, it was pretty scary. Uh, but once I learned as an adult to get past that, he had high expectations. And uh, that w- when you're a teenager, that's uh, a little, you chafe at that a little bit. But yeah. he and I were very close went as adults. Yeah. Uh, Mary, talk about your, uh, your education. You went to University of Montana. Well, you grew up in Billings, graduated from Billings Senior High School, I believe. And then it's off to yeah. University of Montana uh, to be a to be a grizzly, and that was. Uh, I know you became a teacher. Was that something that you always wanted to do, or what was uh, as you went into college? What was what were you thinking? What what uh, was your career? You know, it's kind of funny. People don't mm-hmm. people don't understand that now, but the world really changed between the time I was a freshman and the time I was a senior in college, mm-hmm. and it changed with respect to women's expectations. Because when I went there, I thought. I'm going to just, you know, what am I going to be in the future? I'm going to be a wife. I'm going to be a mother. Mm-hmm. And I might work for a little while, but really I'm, I'm going to be a working mom, just like everybody, I mean, a stay-at-home mom, just like everybody I knew was. And um, that expectation changed while I was in college. And I didn't give much serious consideration to what I would be because it didn't seem to matter. But I always liked English. I liked reading. I liked writing uh, and still do. And so that seemed like a good career to enter. So I, I wish it, I had loftier ambitions, but <laughs> that was really what was behind it. Um, I was writing recently about my student teaching experience, which was here in Great Falls. Yeah. And I uh, had uh you know, I had these goodbye, Mr. Chips ideas about what teaching was going to be like, and the, the, the kids and I were going to be so close. And, you know, it takes an awful lot of years of experience before you learn how to develop a relationship with kids. And it did not happen with me with student teaching. And I thought, that's it. I, you know, I, I'm not going to do this. Uh, but after I did the other jobs that were available to women then, uh, barmaid, waitress, bank teller, um, teaching didn't look so bad. <laughs> and I got a great offer to teach uh, at a private school, an all-boys Catholic school in Louisiana. And um, uh, it was a wonderful experience, and it really kind of taught me how to be a teacher. So uh, I've been involved in education ever since then. You've been involved in public education, private education, uh there, I know there's always a difference, but uh, did you have one a preference uh, in, in one of those settings over the other, or is it just education itself that uh, that you admire? Well, uh, each has its um, appeals uh, mm-hmm. for a teacher and I, I, I suppose for a parent. Um, I, w- I went to a private school, a Catholic school in Billings growing up, but I had such an unfortunate freshman year that my parents pulled me out of there halfway through the year 
And uh, I spent the rest of my uh, education in the public schools. And I had great experiences in both places. Um, the trouble wasn't with the schools, but with me. I just had a hard time accepting that this was what the life was going to be for a girl in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and I had that same, I had a wonderful experience in Louisiana, but everybody that went to that school was going to go to college. Mm-hmm. Um, the worst problems that they had, and that's a terrible generalization to say that acne was the worst thing they had to worry about. But what I'm saying is that they didn't have to worry about money. Okay. Uh, and, I really wanted to, uh, I just did not fit in Louisiana for any number of reasons. But one of the things that I realized then was Montana isn't just a place to me, it's part of me. And I can't, I can't be away from it. Uh, I just don't feel like myself if I'm not in Montana. And uh, so I really wanted to get back to Montana. And I also wanted to teach the full spectrum of kids, the kids that weren't going to one of the, um, you know, uh, Yale or Harvard, the kids that weren't even going to go to college. And uh, I, I wanted to teach the public. And so um, I, had a, I had a great experience in my public school uh, background as well. I taught in Polson, Red Lodge, and Columbia Falls. Um, so those were really good experiences. And Again, the nice thing about Montana is that you, I'm sure you've heard the expression that it's really one kind of nice sized town with mm-hmm. really long streets. <laughs> and um, that's really true when you're a teacher. When you're actually teaching those kids, they kind of think of you in a different way than, you know, like after they would graduate and I would run into them at a Grizzly game or a Bobcat game or something like that, they would say, do I still need to call you Mrs. Moe? <laughs> you know, so there's that kind of distance that you still need to bridge. But you get to see the impact that you have for good or for ill um, over the course of your life on on all kinds of generations of kids. And it's it's a pretty good feeling if it's mostly been good. Yeah. I, I was reading on your Facebook page. Uh, uh, by the way, people, if they if they follow you, they can really get an insight into your your life and uh, and your writing ability. It's fantastic. But uh, I think it was when you were in Columbia Falls, you were nominated and and won the State Farm Good Neighbor Award, and you you got a phone call from an ad agency in Chicago. And what I thought was funny was the person that called you said her name was Dawn Draper, D A W N, and I thought. No, Mad I Men, the, the, <laughs> oh, so, so you made that up. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was a fun. It was a fun. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, but tell me that about that award. Experience. Well, I, uh, I just kind of fell into it. And it's a good example of, you know, you really need to think about the impacts of what you've done. Um, mm-hmm. I was leaving Columbia Falls. I knew that. My husband had a great job offer in Helena. It was really too good to pass up. And I really thought that I wouldn't have any trouble getting a job in Helena. I was had been named teacher of the year about three years before then and, um, you know, had been involved in state-level education things. So I didn't think I'd have any trouble getting a job. But I started applying in December uh, of 89. And in March, I just really had had nothing. 
in terms of a response. So one of my uh, friends, uh, guidance counselor there, uh, made me aware of this award and said, you know, and she and I are always looking at things like that. Now, how could we do this? Could we, you do it for kids all the time. Here's a scholarship we think you should get. So mm-hmm. we started crafting, okay, here's the levels of my experience that, that would work. And uh, I submitted the award and promptly forgot about it and um, ended up going to Helena. I never did get a job again in uh, the K-12 through system anywhere. I ended up at the Votech then, which is what it was called, which again, turned out to be a good, very good thing for me. Uh, but in late August, early September, I got a call from somebody saying that I had won this award. I was one of 10 teachers in the nation. And although the award had been selected by the National Council of Teachers of English, and it was based on a broad number of criteria, the only criterion uh, or part of my application that was very photo worthy was a pageant that I had been involved in uh, with some kids in Columbia Falls. And um, when the ad agency saw that, that's the thing that they wanted to focus on. And I was so intent on their using, they wanted to kind of, you know, they thought we didn't need to use the real kids that we could um, just stick in people that were of the right demographic and that kind of thing. And I just was insistent that, no, it has to be, it has to be these kids. Mm -hmm. And two years had gone by since that pageant. So a lot of those kids weren't there anymore, but we did end up getting a handful of them, but I forgot about the teachers (laughs) and, um, you know, there were a lot of teachers that made that program what it was. Okay. It, there was music in it. There was art. There was uh, drama. And um, and I didn't insist on the teachers. And uh, that was a mistake. And I've, you know, it's uh, that and the fact that they dressed me up like a cowboy. And <laughs> anybody who knows me knows that me and horses are... <laughs> Uh, we just don't occupy the same planet. Um, but so it was, they kind of made me be something that I wasn't. And I should have, I should have drawn the line and said, no, I'm I'm just not going to do that. And we need, and I, I didn't. So I've always, um, you know, it's just one of those things that you can't undo. Mm-hmm. Well, I Mary- regret it. Talk, talk about uh, you, you were working at the Helena Botech, and then uh, I know eventually you made your way back to Great Falls, where you uh, eventually became the, the dean at Great Falls College MSU. Tell us uh, about, about that journey and uh, that experience. Yeah, well, that's another thing about how a bad thing can really end up being a good thing, <laughs> is, um, because when I, was, when I started at the Votech, uh, it was, that's what they were called then, there were five of them. Um, I was the first English teacher that had ever been employed there. And I was not greeted with open arms, either by the faculty or by the students. They really thought it was going to be the end of uh, vocational education. And it really was the introduction of English and math and and social studies into the two-year colleges really was uh, a change. But it was a change that the times called for. Uh, but that can be the case and you can still be resented. And, and I was, and it was a difficult thing. And also the way teaching contracts work in Montana 
even though I had 18 years experience by then, uh, anywhere you got hired, they would only recognize you at a certain level. It was usually five years. So I went from what I thought of as being a pretty good salary in Columbia Falls of $40,000, which was partly my regular contract, but also scrambling around to coach everything under the sun, you know, and uh, amplify that a little bit. Uh, But I went from that salary down to the bottom of the scale again, 22 or 23,000. And so the only way to build that salary up again was to go back to school. And uh, so I went to school during the summers for six years. Okay. Um, I had only needed to go for three to get my master's, but what I discovered was I really loved graduate school. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was encouraged to go and get my doctorate, um, I, I just kept on going. And then you see that, huh, I have these credentials Uh, for jobs that I've really never thought of doing before. And uh, ordinary, you know, nine years earlier, I never would have thought of uh, applying for uh, the associate dean at the Great Falls College, nor would I have been qualified. Um, But because I had gone back to school and had gotten those credentials, which weren't required at the VOTEC and... um, uh, I really didn't need to do for anything other than salary purposes. That made me qualified for the job. And when I came to Great Falls, and I'm starting to kind of, you know, <laughs> I'm starting to work through this in my mind as to what is it about Great Falls that I love so much. But it's a pretty neat thing to come to Great Falls in that particular job mm-hmm. because uh, it, when you are at a two year college, and you're developing the academic programs there, you're gonna run into every single kind of trade that there is in that community or in that region. Mm-hmm. And you have to get to know what makes it work and what kind of employees they want. So you develop some pretty great relationships with entities like the Great Falls Development Authority and the Great Falls Chamber of Commerce mm-hmm. uh, and uh, a lot of other higher education individual like the university, the now university of, oh, I'm going to get it wrong because it's changed, hasn't it? I think of uh-huh. it as the University of Providence, but that's not oh, yeah, right, that, is that, it? No, that's right. Providence. It used to be University of Great Falls. And when my sister went there, it was the College of Great Falls. And uh, then it went yeah. to University of Great Falls. Now it's University of Providence. Yeah. yeah. My husband went there, too, as the College of Great Falls. Okay. Uh, at any rate, you develop all those relationships right away. It's not, one of the things that I've observed about teaching, and I think it's a challenge for, uh, for teachers and for people who don't understand teachers, is you get kind of what the ranchers call herd-bound. Um, you're so used to being in that school building with the other teachers that that's kind of where your comfort level is. And you, you can't be a part of Rotary because you can't leave the building. Uh, you can't, you know, you don't have those adult reach out kinds of um, relationships that you otherwise would. And, and when you're in administration, you not only can, but you must. And so I got to see Great Falls from that multi-spectered uh, kind of way and um, what you see is all of these people working so hard to get Great Falls moving. And that's uh, 
to be, you know, and then uh, I ended up being the dean of that college. Mm -hmm. And to be in that position and get to meet all these people that are working so hard, nonprofits and profit, business and um, not. And to be part of that, to be a player is just uh, intoxicating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Mary, I know too, that uh, there was something uh, that you never counted on came up and uh, kind of uh, you had to battle it and that was cancer. Can you tell us, tell us about that uh, diagnosis and uh, what, what can you tell us about that? Yeah. Well, I had, um, I left the deanship at the college to take on a special project with the commissioner's office on two-year education. Mm -hmm. And, um, even though, it, ironically, I took that job in May of 2008, and I bought a house in Great Falls, uh, where I still live, mm -hmm. uh, that same month. And so I ended up commuting to Helena because I knew that I wanted to stay in Great Falls for my, my full-time home. Um, but... Uh, so I left to go do that job and it was driving all over the state and it was very complex work because every campus and every community wants its two-year college to be a particular way. Sure. And you had this variety of two-year colleges, tribal and community colleges and former Votex. So it was hard to go around. Those were hard conversations. And I just noticed that I um, found myself sitting in rooms just really trying hard not to get my head to, you know, to keep my head from falling on the table because I was just so exhausted. Uh, and I hadn't had my blood work done for a while because I was so busy. Didn't, you know, I've always had really good health. Mm -hmm. uh, but I did go in and um, it was February 5th, 2010, that I got this call from, uh, I hadn't had a doctor for a while. And uh, from my brand new doctor who hated to be calling me on the phone on the basis of one visit, but said, mm -hmm. you, you need to get to the Sletten right away. And um, my blood counts were just out of the orbit. And um, I found out that I had, uh, at that point, acute myelitic leukemia. And the doctors at the Sletten told me, um, you know, the likelihood is you're going to need to have a bone marrow transplant. And, um, and you know, the prognosis did not look good. So I, I can remember sitting in that waiting room at the Sletten and looking at the, at that time, they kept a basket of wigs mm -hmm. uh, in there, um, I suppose, for people who were getting um, transfusions and or dealing with chemo or I don't know what. But I just kept thinking to myself, God, I just look terrible in wigs. <laughs> uh, that's all I could think about. Um, but I had a, a hard year of uh, realizing that really I can't keep working. Um, my husband sat me down and said, you know, you don't need to do this and you shouldn't do it. And, um, and so I ended up leaving work sooner than I wanted to, but I, it got, gave me a chance to take stock. It gave me a chance to be with my son before he um, went to officer's candidate school. And mm -hmm. uh, it's the nature of that kind of work that you don't get to 
be together very often. Sure. He's, he's in Japan right now. Okay. Um, and so that was really a special time for us because he was getting ready to make a change and, and so was I. And, and uh, so that was another bad thing can bring good things kind of thing. And for some reason, I just reacted really positively to the chemo drug that they gave me and um, slowly seemed to, I'm in remission. I have been for, I guess, probably nine years and uh, became active again and um, still kicking. <laughs> yeah. And I guess, I mean, you say active and people say, well, that's, I think that's an understatement uh, because you... <laughs> Hyperactive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, no. You, you went on to uh, serve in the legislature. You served uh, on the Great Falls School Board. You served uh, the city commission, which I know you're wrapping up that uh, that term. Uh, tell me why uh, the this interest in in politics and and public service of, of those other boards. Well, um, one thing that. Uh, has been a real deficit of mine because I was a big tomboy growing up and I was really determined and thought until I hit puberty that I was not going to be a girl. And so I never learned to cook. I never learned to sew. I never learned to do those kind of basics that girls of my era had. Uh, And so, and to this day, you know, I, I can't really be part of a book club because it always involves cooking. (laughs) It always (laughs) involves bringing, some kind of a dish, you know. Uh, and so th- these were things that I could do to get out. And um, I, I've always been, because both my parents were very interested in politics, but also I really believe that one person can make a difference. And even if you can't, you should try. Mm-hmm. And there are all kinds of boards and activities in this town and in this state that are crying out for people just to roll up their sleeves and help. And um, I, I like doing that. And uh, it's been very rewarding for me. And it's done some good things here and there. And I'm never really satisfied that I did as much as I could. But um, you want to be in the arena. Um, and I've, I've tried to do that. Yeah, and I, I know that uh, you decided to give up your time in the legislature to to focus on family uh, because your your daughter had three triplets, and uh, those again who follow you on Facebook have been able to watch these little ones kind of grow and the you yeah. know, the the humor that you put in the the posts and stuff like that. But again, that's very important. I mean, uh, the public service I know is important, but uh, the family is very important to you too. So that yeah. that that was a big. Uh, probably a, a tough decision for you to, to leave the legislature, but not a hard decision to help your family. Well, you know, it was so funny because when my daughter called, they, she didn't know that she was had triplets till she was in her second trimester. Okay. She had come home and during her first trimester and walked between me and my husband once and and we both, our eyes met because we were both thinking the same thing. Man, she is big for her first trimester. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, uh, she called us just freaking out. I'm going to have twins. And of course, we were, oh, or I'm going to have triplets. <laughs> and we were just jumping up and down. Oh, that's wonderful. And I called my sibling group to let them know. And one of my siblings said, you know, Mary, 
she's going to need your help. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess, you know, and I was really thinking, I can do both, um, but you really can't. The legislature is a very compressed session. It's 90 days. You need to be all in or all out. Right. You're not serving the public well if you're off, um, you know, 2,500 miles away. They're just, I had to make a choice. Mm-hmm. And um, it was the right one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we do want to give a shout out to your husband too, uh, because he, he has been with you the whole whole time, uh, Dwayne. How, how talk real quickly? How, how did you guys meet, and uh, what does he what does he mean to you? We met at the University of Montana when I was a freshman. Okay. And uh, uh, he was behind the information desk there, and um, he, you know, I was getting what I think they call the freshman rush or something like that. <laughs> he just thought, eh, I'm going to wait till all these guys uh, drift off and then I'll, I'll take my shot at her. We went out one time and I ended up having to take him to the health service because he was in the beginning stages of what's that sleeping disease. Um, ends with an M it seems like. Oh, narcolepsy. Uh, no, no. Um, no. you know, you, it's an illness. I can't okay. remember what the name of it is, but he was the beginning stages of that. It's a kind of a fever of some kind. Oh, gosh. Uh, so, and then he graduated. Um, and, uh, we ended up seeing each other again after I left the exorcist in the middle of the show because I was so ill. Uh, I, it scared me so much. Oh, yeah. And um, <laughs> I ended up going to a bar where he was the bartender and uh, we both just saw each other and the timing was right. But um, somebody was giving me uh, a little bit of a hard time because I referred to him in a post that I did over the weekend as um you know, or you can be just a great neighbor and, a, you know, and they were saying just a, and, and they're right. You know, the world really revolves around great neighbors mm-hmm. and good friends and good husbands. Yeah. And um, mine sure does. He's yeah. been everything. Yeah. And props to you for, for giving the exorcist a chance. I know my wife would never um, watch that. She's more, she's more the Downton Abbey and the, the British dramas, but no, uh, I, I'm not good at scary movies at all. And I just, uh, yeah, I had to run out of there. Yeah. Well, uh, Mary also, uh, Great Falls city commission, you, you ran for that as you, as you look back, you're, you're getting ready to, uh, step away from the, the commission, but, uh, what, uh, what are some of the things maybe, I don't know, maybe one or two things that, that you look at your time on the Great Falls City Commission that you're maybe most proud of that you've, you've been a part of, or maybe have spearheaded there on that body? Um, you know, I, I, I think that I uh, have not been able to advance some of the issues that I had hoped to advance. Um, I had not been able to, uh, I really think that we need to be more cognizant of our energy consumption and really aim to be uh, um, much more uh, carbon neutral in in the years to come. I think that's not only important for the planet, but also important for being able to uh, attract people to Great Falls. Um, And... uh, I got wrapped up in uh, some issues that were really not my strong suit, and um, I, you know, I, I. So, in terms of getting things done, uh, and this is kind of a good segue. I got just one little thing done 
that to me is big, and that is uh, I was able to convince the other commissioners that took absolutely no heart, arm twisting at all to name the 10th Street Bridge for uh, Arlene Reichert. And um, uh, I, f I feel good about that because she's really an example of just a woman who rolls up her sleeves and has a vision and gets things done. And I think it's something, and it's an example that everybody in this town can learn something from. Uh, because, you know, I'm, I've made another hard decision. And as you may know, Tim, that uh, I'm going to leave Great Falls when my term is done. And uh, it's going to be really hard to do. That's why I'm doing these writings to try to kind of get myself to the sure. place where I can do it. But it's for the same reason. I, um, I don't want to be a holiday grandma. Mm -hmm. One of the lessons that I've learned in life from the coffee clutches, from my time on the commission, from my time pretty much everywhere, is it's not the big things that you get done that matter. It's the little things. It's not that you were there when they got married. It was that you were there when they were lonely as a 12-year-old 12, 12 and didn't have anywhere to go and they could come over to your house after school and you guys would play cribbage. <laughs> and, and I want to I want to have those experiences with my, my grandsons in Missoula. Yeah. So um, I know it's the right decision. It's really a hard one uh, for one thing. I won't be the most liberal person in town anymore. <laughs> uh, and, um, and for another, I just love Great Falls. Um, to me, its best days really are yet to come. And uh, I, uh, uh, if Montana grabs hold of its future as it must, um, the best days for those of us that are on this side of the mountains and that are feeling a little ignored sometimes, um, we can learn from the lessons of those cities that have boomed um, and preserve our Montana way of life and our Montana control of the things that we value uh, in a way that I think has gotten away from some of those places. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, I, when you, when you live in Montana, you never really leave a place. That's right. Like, <laughs> uh, you're always, you know, those long streets are still there. And um, uh, you're just always reminded. I, I was just picking up a piece of furniture in Missoula yesterday, and the gal was had been late to it, the store. Um, and I said to her, what happened? She said, oh, it flooded, and my husband's out of town. He's in Great Falls. Oh, he's in Great Falls. Uh, what's his name? And she said, well, let me just say he's, his last name is Rice. And I said, <laughs> is he related to Sheila and Sandy? <laughs> of course. So, you, you know, you never leave them behind. Uh, and your relationships with others are enriched by uh, all of those people that you carry with you. So um, I just have to have faith that the next move is going to be as good as all the other ones have been. Yeah, Mira, before we go, I also want to talk about your, your book and uh, the whole COVID uh, pandemic was such a such an ordeal on so many levels. But uh, you took that as an opportunity to put that great skill, your writing skill to use. And you you wrote a book, Love in the Midst of COVID. Briefly uh, tell us what, what that was about and what the inspiration for that was and 
people who may have not read it, uh, what can they expect? Well, um, one of the lessons that I learned when I was raising the triplets or one of the things that I did to feel connected to people because I had no life except feeding and changing babies um, <laughs> was to get up before they did because I hate to wake up to a baby's crying. I'd rather be awake and here it comes and I'm prepared for it. <laughs> and I'd wake up and I'd write something early in the morning and then post it. And people would reply back and I would feel connected to them. And when we started getting isolated again during the first year of COVID, uh, I started doing that again and writing, you know, just about whatever fool thing popped into my mind, sometimes about the things that were going Do you remember when we were hoarding? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we, people were hoarding toilet paper <laughs> of all things. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we entered into some pretty strange things. So writing about things like that, but also uh, about my memories of growing up, my uh, it, the influences of my family, uh, the people that I've known and, and friends that I've met. So basically just kind of a different thing every day. And sometimes they would continue on a particular theme uh, for uh, several days. But people kept saying along the way, you should put these into the book and or into a book. And I thought, oh, I've always wanted to write a book. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I did compile them. And um, yeah, it's called Love in the Midst of COVID and it's for sale. All right. And uh, how can people get a copy of that? Is there, it's, it's available, I know, at probably bookstores, but uh, maybe people who are uh, listening from afar, can they get it online? Or? Yes, you can go to maryshehemo.squarespace.com and order it directly yourself. Right. Well, Mary, it's like you said, uh, you're, you're moving to Missoula, but uh, in reality, you're just moving down the street. When That's, you're right. Montana. That's right. I have right. to think that way or I'll cry. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, Mary, for all you've done for the community and for the state of Montana, really. And uh, we, we really appreciate you taking time to talk. Thanks so much. You've been listening to a conversation with Mary Sheehy Mo. She served in the Montana Senate from January of 2015 to January 2017, and she served one term on the Great Falls City Commission from January 2018 to December of 2021. I invite you to subscribe to McGonigal's Chronicles wherever you get your podcasts and rate the podcast and leave a review. You can also follow the podcast on Facebook and Twitter. I'll be back soon with another guest with a Montana Connection. Until then, from McGonagall's Chronicles, Making Montana Connections, I'm Tim McGonagall.